Hi everyone, this is Divya and welcome to another episode on Dialogue Now with me. As you know, season 2 of our podcast, we've really focused on speaking to various startup founders. I find this industry really really exciting and there's a new startup cropping up in every corner. Today I have someone very exciting with us on the podcast. He's from the electric bike industry, which has obviously grown super heavy during COVID. So I want to welcome Nilesh, who's the co-founder and CEO of Calamus Bike, and they have developed the world's safest and the most advanced e-bike. So hi, Nilesh, and thank you for joining us on the Dialogue Now podcast. Hi, Divya. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to always share our journey. So it's really cool what you guys are doing. I'm sorry, like the product is so cool. I can't wait to get my hands on it. You know, you won a lot of design awards. You've taken technology and innovation on a global stage, right? Because even if it's it's developed, you're based out of Mumbai. You've developed it in India, but you sell on the global stage. That's also really cool, right? It's a vocal for local product, but going to every part of the world. So you know, the ultra bike is. a very advanced e-bike um you know this model is catching up a lot during covid right um speak to us a little about how sales have been during covid like worldwide what country tops the list where do you see the you know electronic bike market moving forward sure i think uh, yeah we we wanted to do something that was not just for the indian market but you know at the global stage say that we are an indian company but we can create the very best and that's that, that was the you know the, the passion or the motivation behind kalams um now i think in terms of the market currently the e-bike industry not just the e-bike industry but the cycling industry in general is seeing unprecedented growth in these times and it's it's not very surprising because you know people want to move outside you know health based uh, uh, all all everything that you want to do for your health Has become low because gyms are shut, etc., etc., and people want to commute. Now, the best way to do this while following social distancing norms is cycling or e-biking, and that's why we've seen this growth. Um, and I think for us personally, we've seen really good growth in the past six months with uh, almost 15% month-on-month growth. And I think uh, this is only going to quadruple for us at least uh, when we have our supply chain sorted, which has been uh, a major. problem for uh, i think the e-bike industry or industries in general um now in terms of in terms of our market in terms of the current uh, current sorry country uh, i think germany has been our uh, biggest uh, uh, or the most our leader in terms of demand and actual sales so uh, yeah that's that's where we like to focus a lot because that's that's like the perfect market for our bike as well um and i don't think this is a covid assisted boom in general definitely not uh, we were seeing rapid growth in terms of adoption of e-bikes as you know primary modes of transport especially in the european region or or let's say even us um uh, since uh, before the pandemic even happened uh, for example in 2019 germany alone showed about 39% of growth uh, for their e-bike market which is insane right so in in if anything the pandemic has provided a push to further increase adoption in countries where you know this was in the case okay awesome no thank you for like uh, walking us through that and you know uh, i i feel like uh, the germans are quite technologically uh, above a lot of countries in terms of the way the city is run the infrastructure and i can definitely see your uh, ultra bike on the roads there so amazing um you know 
tell us a little bit more nilesh on the business model right you follow um, you know you did something different which is crowdfunding um, you don't see that a lot in the e bike market or a startup like yours you know usually crowdfunding is more on social issues and more social startups so um let's speak a little bit about uh, how you sort of married crowdfunding with uh, calamus sure so i think um, to start off with our our model simply is b2c and even in b2c d2c B2C means direct to consumer, so we try to sell our bikes only through the uh, direct routes. For example, our website. And uh, when we wanted to start out, we of course, being a bootstrapped company, we did not have the funds to go out and create this massive marketing campaign, and and do these uh, massive promotions everywhere uh, to launch our very first uh, vehicle. So we found that crowdfunding was actually the best way to do this. Uh, not only because it gave us this platform at a global stage, because uh you know crowdfunding sites like kickstarter or indiegogo have a massive global presence and we wanted to make use of that while also uh you know using this as a lean method to actually go out and present our product and get proof whether people are actually liking this and would want to you know buy this uh or pre order this so that's the route we took and i think the perception here of crowdfunding in india is very different from what it is Uh, outside because crowdfunding is done for multiple uh, reasons it could be for uh, a new product it could be for social issues or uh, you know issues in general but i think in in india it's particularly uh, meant for social um, issues and not really product based issues because it's not legal in india uh, in the west kickstarter and indiegogo are mainly mainly used by uh, you know product companies or com- startups that have new products in mind and they just present it out there so i think that was the idea that's that's how we started out so we launched our bike on indiegogo and we got really good response so we're you know got response from 27 odd countries from across the globe so uh, you know like you said in india it's not allowed so how does it work on a glo- global stage as well can you walk like our speakers uh, sorry our listeners through that so people you list on a website people fund uh, this e product bike but why do they do that what do they get in return sure so i think um, so on paper on paper it's still uh, you know that uh, these are backers or uh, these are technically donations provided to whoever is running the campaign or the campaigner for example uh, but i think for the longest time the norm has become where you know companies come out with products and and people who are pledging or people who are uh, putting down their money is actually in return for a particular uh, product or a model or whatever they've come out with so it's it's you know uh, it's it's become like that informal setting where a product is given in return for what they pledge and and that's that's why or that's how it functions okay so very interesting and i feel like uh, hopefully like in the next com- coming years you can see a system like that being developed in india as well but i can imagine for a developing country it will probably take a little longer it will because i think the financial system is uh, much more regulated in india than it is uh, outside and uh, especially because for example uh, these crowdfunding websites are based out of the us and and they do accept funds uh, from you know global or or countries all over the globe so um, in india it's it's not very easy to actually get funds from outside and and function as a crowdfunding platform so i think that's that's been the biggest hindrance uh, hopefully it changes but it's you know crowdfunding outside is uh, easier than most people think it is 
um and you know i I'd, i'd love to actually we we do put out articles and we do write on this uh, topic as well so that you know we can help enable more uh, startups to actually go out there and present their uh, you know products or start or you know the stuff they are making Amazing. I think I'm going to give a link to one of these on uh, the description of this podcast so everyone has something to follow up with. And you're right, India is a very heavy heavily regulated country even though there is more ease of business models trying to be developed, but, you know, but there's still a lot of amendments like up until recently even cryptocurrency was trying to be regulated by the RBI, but finally, you know, they said, "Okay, no, you can have private cryptocurrency." But there probably yeah. will be a bill in place for even that to remove it very soon. But again, moving I hope so. Um Nilesh why supply globally isn't there just more competition or is there like the market is obviously bigger but how do you even compete with the big bucks of the yamahas of the world Sure and I think uh, we did not want to do anything that was just you know out there just create something and that is just you know a little better than what's out there so it was always in our minds to create something that would you know bring about a serious change and the 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 funny thing is we actually started with the indian market uh, in our initial years uh, we created a product for the indian market and and this was a time where you know e bikes wasn't such a big thing uh, cycle or bike bike rentals weren't such a big thing and it it was even more nascent than it is now for e bikes or the e bike market so uh, we with time we realize that you know all all our core strengths for example innovation design um, attention to detail we could not actually use all of our strengths into making a cutthroat price product because in india that would be the actual one that would work out at scale so so we thought we are you know really fighting the tide here and why why do we what's the point of doing this when we can actually look at the global market and uh even though operationally it would be challenging um and and competition of course we have uh, we are in a market of at least 750 odd e-bike companies uh, from all parts of the world so why compete against them so i think our idea was not again like i mentioned not to just create something a little better but to to address serious problems that are out there uh use all of our strengths and build something that would really uh, rethink of rethink what an e-bike is so that's that's how we created the world's first ultra bike which is a new category of e-bikes and kalamus one is the world's first ultra bike right and the world's safest right like the kind of the world's safest the world's most advanced yes that's it's so amazing to hear that a product like this is coming out of mumbai india honestly like i love the fact that someone from your team reached out a dialog room and we were able to do this today <laughs> I'm I'm glad to the the fun it's it's very funny because I I remember uh, going to Germany um, at at Eurobike which is uh, one of the biggest e-bike uh, fairs in the world um and people used to come to our stall and wonder where is this company out of and we used to tell them India and they used to be you know pleasantly surprised because unfortunately they were still not expecting something like this coming out of India which is sad partially 
and and happy because we did it yeah so yeah it's 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 i think mixed feelings honestly honestly yeah i think great um but obviously nilesh uh, coming to the actual point which everyone will have on their mind it is a very capital heavy investment to make right on e bikes um you know they they don't go cheap obviously they run better they're safer but they don't go cheap and i think um you know i was reading up about it and there's a sort of a um, new model that's come up not new it's been there for a while but it's just taken it's rapidly emerged in the recent years which is bike sharing right a lot of companies give up their bikes for sharing so you don't need to necessarily own one but you can share mm-hmm. one and you know it's also dockless so you can just have an yeah. app you can put the app next to the bike it'll unlock the bike for you and you're good to go you know you can see it in birds in california you can see this in australia um you know a lot of countries are doing this so a what yeah. do you feel about the bike sharing model of um, transportation and do you feel um, your companies is it a part of it or are there plans to go be a part of this in future sure i think it's it's bike sharing or uh, you know the, the rental space in in bikes is is very thrilling indeed without a doubt and i think uh, we honestly don't want to become that service company that's providing ride sharing or rentals uh, but we are definitely interested in making bikes for the space for example we would want to work with a company like lime or let's say uh, the who and who of the bike sharing space um for example jump or uh, because eventually most uh, conglomerates are going to get into this because they it's this is a space which is going to become a norm in the coming future i i truly believe that this has the potential to actually become other another uh, public uh, transportation system part of the larger ecosystem in a city and and i think because last mile connectivity has been the biggest problem in uh, all across the globe especially more in the developing cities for example places like mumbai right i think if if you lived in mumbai then you faced this problem all your life how do you travel from your house to the nearest uh, bsc station or how do you travel from your house to the nearest uh, local train station so so i think this really solves that problem and this will become uh, part of that ecosystem and to be very honest i don't think my kids will realize or you know imagine uh, a system without this 10 20 years later so yeah i think that's uh, yeah it's it's here to stay for for sure and we would love to uh, be a part of this innovate in this space uh, but not just just not as a service company i've i've had my fair share of uh, you know bad experiences with the service industry fair enough yeah so you want to you want to be more product based and sell it to the right people Absolutely. rather than being service based yeah it's a completely different business model and i'm yeah. so glad you sort of brought it up it's very uh, you know important to understand if you want to uh, you know the service sector is just completely different the whole team will be different you will be servicing an actual person and you know that's just completely different in providing a one off product absolutely i think uh, it's the the product that we built is is very capable to actually easily implement a bike sharing service via the product for example the platform that we built the bike on it's it's very easy to implement this on our bike uh, because we work on an android platform our operating system is based on an android platform we we have an application with the bike etc etc so it's it's easy to implement it so that's how or that's why it's easy for us to actually uh, you know work with other b2b service companies Yeah and it really works for India right because more than 70% of mobile users in India are android phones as well yeah. so that's that's a plus as well Absolutely. i think uh, you 
there was a startup in Bangalore who's already doing it, um, trying to at least just for the city on uh, normal bikes, not electronic bikes, this sort of bike sharing model. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. So you, you're seeing this coming up and I would feel a city like Bangalore had to be the one to try and start it. I think its infrastructure supports this kind of startup bike sharing ecosystem way more than uh, Delhi and Mumbai <laughs> right now. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think uh, in the next five to seven years, we'll be seeing a lot of innovation and changes for and because of the bike sharing uh, industry. And I think it's going to be very, very exciting to see how it goes. And the government end of the day has to support this with getting the right infrastructure in place because I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for adoption of a bike sharing or a rental space even now um, I think <laughs> I used to ride a cycle to work and uh, I used to commute and I, I, I've seen uh, how bad you know the bad roads are just one side of the story the other important side to note is how unruly or unforgiving the traffic can get for a cyclist and I've, I've seen that and I think till we don't fix this issue, people wouldn't want to actually travel longer distances on a cycle. Completely agreed. I think um, infrastructure was one main point I was going to bring up uh, towards the second half of the podcast, but you brought it up. Let's actually face this question, especially in the Indian market, right, Nilesh? Um, Mm -hmm. You have the government's support as well. Like the Niti Aayog has publicly announced that by 2025, they want, uh, you know, the whole two-wheeler industry to be electronic, right? Um, You know, so you have the government support. There are significant health benefits. And of course, Mm -hmm. some really, really huge environmental benefits of going green and being on an electronic bike. So Mm -hmm. you have the support from various outlets. But Mm -hmm. the infrastructure is the biggest problem in India. Um, You Mm -hmm. hardly see any cycling tracks. Um, you know, these sort of normal dirt roads don't really um, help provide, uh, do they even give you the complete experience of electronic bikes? So where do you see it going there? Like uh, how much would the government need to be doing as well to support this industry? Um, so, yeah, I think uh, on on paper or on in, in theory, I think a lot of good things are happening for the space, for cycling and for, you know, uh, electric bikes in general for the adoption uh, but i think it really boils down to the execution and that's been lacking for the longest time especially in the space because I, I still feel you know the government or the the authorities are still not serious about cycling as as you know an important mode of transport and and that also then eventually reflects onto the perception of cycles uh, with uh, you know commoners like us um, People don't want to ride it because it's it's not considered a, a, a symbol of uh, wealth or symbol of uh, you know you're doing well in the society, and that's unfortunately the case now. If till till the government actually does not start executing plans to make you know cycling lanes, uh, traffic more regulated, to uh, impose uh, laws to protect cyclists on the road, um, you know stuff like that. Till, till that doesn't really happen, I don't think the adoption will really come at the scale it can. Um, uh, even if, while that, with that being said, of course, Bangalore, Pune are still at the forefront of this with the local authorities actually doing something in, in terms of making, uh, you know, cycling lanes or, or providing better infrastructure for cyclists. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's uh, what I think about it. But in terms of uh, whether the experience is do you get the same experience on a dirty surface or, or a muddy road, for example? No, of course not. 
because your your effort of cycling is going to be higher uh, your your experience of cycling is not going to be as good as it could be on on a plain clean tarmac road so again that is something we really need to work on to make sure <clears throat> that uh, yeah we get that full experience because when you go outside and you ride a cycle through a cycle sharing space you the idea of riding a cycle is to not feel any it should not feel differently uh, than any other mode of transport right you should still reach your office space or wherever you want to go sweat free clean uh, all of those things i think really need to be addressed no completely agreed and thank you for bringing out that point that you're right like the owning a car is seen as the economic symbol for upward mobility in india right yeah. and bikes aren't seen as that actually uh, so you know i used to live in london for 6 years mm-hmm. right so london has now emerged as a very big the big cycling culture as a city right you just see a lot of cycling tracks or you know the partners to my law firm would also cycle into work you know yeah. from anyone and everyone would cycle into work we had showers at work obviously the infrastructure is more developed there but the funny thing is like you know why this did this happen this sort of happened i think around 2012 or maybe earlier uh because uh the entry to enter the main london city they increased the tariffs for a lot of cars okay. because to control pollute pollution so they weren't letting and then suddenly people realized getting a four wheeler inside london was so expensive people started biking more and that's how the infrastructure developed for it yeah. so you see like everything has a reason and i feel you're right um the government needs to take this way more seriously and try and develop the infrastructure as such to make biking the next thing you know um it's obviously the infrastructure development it'll require for this is way less than metros or any other public transportation yeah. right if you come to think of it absolutely so it it should be the next logical step to try and develop cities in a way that you can just bike around and i think it's it's definitely possible because you see metro construction going on all across uh let's say mumbai or many cities like mumbai as well so it's it's actually going to be easier for them to implement let's say cycling based infrastructure now in tandem with the metro infrastructure uh, because anyways it's it's uh, in a big ruckus the city the the, the roads are um, in at, at a you know in a position where you can actually make this happen right now and they should i hope they do uh, but you know again it it really depends on them you know what their uh, ideology is moving ahead because yeah okay. seriousness you for example uh, the prime minister of denmark commutes to his office on a cycle i mean that's that's you know how that that's how you make a symbol so powerful right i, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. stuff like this needs to happen you can see the transformation of paris how it was about you know just 2 3 years ago and what it is like now they've just completely transformed the city so that uh, commuting is much easier uh, better and and it's more community driven not just uh, you know mm-hmm. you they've rethought how transportation within the city should be like yeah yeah i love that word community driven transportation you're right um you know i was speaking to the head of operations of mm-hmm. uber india mm-hmm. uh, on a podcast on dialogue now just recently and he said we should see electric cars in india by mm-hmm. 2021 and of course the infrastructure will be developed for it as well so there'll be charging points yeah. and you know a bunch of other things so what happens to the electric bike market then 
Presumably, obviously, the target audience is very different. But will the electric car movement aid the electric bike movement as well? Because it's a complementary industry. So will this be a bane or a boon for you? Sure. So I think uh, we, again, the e-bike industry is a part of the EV industry as a whole, right? Um, I think the EV industry covers, uh, for example, even the charging infrastructure right now because it's meant for the EVs. Now, the good thing here is uh, because a lot of innovation and you know development is happening for the EV industry, it eventually trickles down to to uh, smaller parts uh, today, which is the e-bike industry, which is of course going to be a big part. But but that, that that's what's happening now. In terms of the, the really good thing about e-bikes is that they're a hybrid between cycles and and let's say an electric scooter or an electric bike. Right, because uh, these are essentially pedal-assisted cycles. Um, so pedal-assisted electric cycles. Sorry. So even even when you are out of charge, you can use it like a normal cycle, and that's that's the beautiful part about it. Or that's that's what makes it a beautiful vehicle. You can use it completely cleanly without even using electricity, or you can use it uh, with electricity. So I think the adoption or or the infrastructure requirement for e-bikes is going to be. Much lower in terms of the charging network, etc. And for example, how we do it is our our battery on the bike is uh, easily removable. All you have to do is press a button on the bike, and the battery just comes off. And you can just park your cycle if you are sitting in a cafe, uh, just plug it into a normal wall socket and charge your battery. Or you can just uh, replace it with an extra battery bag that you have. that sounds actually really really easy i was doing so much research on this industry before this podcast and there were all these articles about uh you know the battery life span and uh, charging stations uh, i did not expect such a clean and easy answer nilesh i think uh, you've sold me up for one of these bikes <laughs> i i sure hope so i'm i'm looking for one definitely tell me something nilesh is riding an electric bike as easy as riding a normal bike um so it you can make it way easier or you can make it um as you know it, it can behave like a normal cycle if need be so that's that's what makes it special honestly but if you've never ridden an e-bike before and if you're riding for the first time i'm i'm pretty sure it'll blow your mind that's what happened with me as well uh because you 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 it's it's I don't know I don't know how to put it into words honestly but it's just breathtaking. So I was in Prague a couple of years ago and I did a lot of mm-hmm. segway tours. I'm I'm feeling sort of that form of movement. It, am I anywhere near it? Uh, well halfway there. <laughs> okay. But I yeah segways are fun yeah, so I can imagine yeah. how uh, amazingly smooth the experience of uh, the ultra bike. Yeah it's 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 like it gives you that feeling of uh, you feel empowered riding an e-bike i think uh, you've just found yourself a new tagline there nilesh <laughs> <laughs> no uh, so towards sort of the end of the podcast uh, we've obviously been speaking a lot about your product as well and why you supplied it to a global stage through crowdfunding i think excellent idea on doing that because it's such a different product and it's such a required product um you only have uh, you know the environment the industry the government supporting you for this for years to come right uh, but yeah. let's speak on the actual technological advancement of this product 
does a lot of R&D still need to be developed to make the electronic bike the next big thing? So like I said, I read a couple of articles which said that the battery life of all of these is usually two to three years, which is a big Mm -hmm. concern. It is obviously very capital heavy. So where do you feel, um, you know, this market is going to go in the future? Does it still require a lot of R&D or are we almost there yet to make it the next big public form of transportation or sort of hybrid form of transportation? Mm -hmm. Uh, to be honest, I think we are already there. Uh, there isn't too much technological advancement required for the e-bike industry to actually flourish. And that's the reason it's already flourishing, I believe. And uh, to give you some sense of how this is happening, it's a lot of innovation and development already happens or is happening in the lithium-ion chemistry space, which is the most prominently used battery technology globally, right? In the EV space, especially. So now what happens is, I think I mentioned this earlier as well, from from the top of the chain, it trickles down to other parts of the EV uh, business, right? For example, it's coming out of the e-bike space. So you see uh, batteries or or cells that we've been used in, in Teslas or uh, let's say the Model 3, Model S, these cells are now being used in the e-bike space. And this is this is what happens. For example, with, with the battery day, that Tesla released uh, a new chemistry and new new uh, type of cells for EVs. Now this is eventually going to trickle down to e-bikes as well, which is which which makes uh, the e-biking space in terms of you don't really have to rely too much on technological development for this space to flourish. Um, and the concern regarding you know bike uh, battery life, um, I think uh, I'm not sure where you read about two to three years because I'll give you a sense of things. For example, um, an average e-bike will give you a range of 40 kilometers. Okay. Um, Ours, of course, is up to 80 kilometers, but the daily average use case is still only between 10 to 15 kilometers, which means Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're probably just charging once in three days or a max of three times a week. So, so an average lifespan of any good cell is about a thousand charge cycles. So you're, it's, it's going to last you for at least five to six years on the basis saying that, you know, you're going to be charging three times a week. Now, the other good thing about is, is about this is that with the battery space or the development in the battery space moving uh, rather rapidly during this time, in the next five to six years, you'll already see uh, the cost of batteries going significantly down, right? And which means that the replacement cost once the lifespan is over, is going to be not that high. Even even right now, it's not, let's say, a little high for the budget e-bikes or, or budget uh, mm-hmm. electric cycles, uh, but it's not such a high component when it comes to the medium or the high uh, high price segment bikes. Okay. So, okay, so no, uh, thanks again for sort of again breaking that down for us and that's really helpful. Um, you know, amazing product, Nilesh. There's obviously a lot going on background, I'm sure as well, because we see this beautiful product on your website. We, you, you know, we see you going on the global stage. I think it's just crazy how amazing a product you've come to develop. And uh, I think it was just the smartest decision to go for crowdfunding and supply on a global stage as well. So uh, sort of any last thoughts for people over here who are listening to this podcast? What would you like to say to them about uh, sort of this industry and your product? Uh, well, this this is the industry to bet on, honestly. Uh, so if you if you are just you know trying to come up with ideas, don't just get into the industry as soon as you can. Uh, but with that being said, it's going to be tough. You have to persevere, and I think you have to stay patient. 
because uh, this is just the beginning honestly it's this is going to be much larger than most people out there think and uh, yeah if you are if you are an indian company or or someone or a budding entrepreneur from india only sky is the limit don't get you know or don't be bound by the boundaries laid down by everything around you amazing and uh, i always like asking sort of this last question to everyone i interview and uh, what would you say your biggest mistake has been as an entrepreneur which has turned into hopefully a significant learning wow that's a great question i don't know if i can just talk about one because i think <laughs> along the journey there are quite a few big mistakes made uh, uh, let me see um okay so like i had mentioned earlier the reason we don't want to get into the service industry is because we tried to do it and we spent quite a few months actually trying to get into it uh, only to realize that you know it wasn't for us so i think time is definitely of the essence so don't don't try to do something you don't want to do because you're going to regret it uh, you're going to spend so much time and effort into doing something you wouldn't want to do that you know it's not going to be even useful later Um, so i think that was one big mistake where we tried to actually get into the service side of things um which yeah of course we didn't want to um i think that's a point well said there nilesh like um the service industry is a really really tough industry thanks again for uh, you know coming to the dialogue now podcast uh, talking about the electric bike industry and just generally uh, what we have in store with it we wish you all the very best i think i used the word electronic bike a couple of times there but um, you know the electric bike industry and uh, thanks again this was an absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me again uh, thank you so much for just listening to my thoughts and our journey it's it's been an absolute pleasure and and kudos to you and your team i think you guys are doing an amazing amazing job uh, voicing or giving us the voice so just keep at it thank you so much thank you for tuning in in today's episode with me divya on the dialogue now podcast don't forget our podcasts are also available on spotify jio savan hubhopper google and apple podcast just search for dialogue now and follow